Good morning. You know, about 12 years ago, I was at a vacation resort in St. Martin. And this resort sat right next to Mayo Beach. And Mayo Beach is famous for being right next to an airport. And I mean right next to an airport. See, when planes come in, they are just feet from you. I mean, the sound is deafening. The wind that they create are amazing. The waves that they create are powerful. So my buddy and I are standing on the beach. We're experiencing all of this with the other tourists. And I get the bright idea that I'm going to ride one of these waves. Now, keep in mind, I was five years away from becoming Celebrate Recovery's fearless leader. And I was two years away from giving my life to Jesus. So, my lifestyle choices at that time weren't very intelligent. I may have been drinking adult beverages throughout the day. And I had a great big fat pinch of chew in my mouth when I uttered the words that haunt many a good men. Hey, watch this. <laughs> so I walked out into the ocean. A couple nice sized waves hit me, but I continued deeper. And all at once, this humongous tsunami-sized wall of water crashed into me and threw me violently to the ocean floor. Not only did it knock the wind out of me, but the impact made me swallow my skull. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's nasty. I know. I was there. So... I come up and I'm like fighting for air at this point, trying to get my composure back as another wave crashes into me again. And it sends me twirling underwater. So I'm fighting at this point to stay above water as wave after wave descends upon me, flipping me head over heels as I fight to get my swim trunks that were now around my ankle back to their rightful position. So over and over this is happening, and I can see the beach, and I'm thinking, if I can just make it a little bit closer, I think I'll be okay. And then I'm, I get a little closer, and I'm thinking, you know, if I can just get to where my feet can actually touch, I think I'm going to make it. I've just got to survive until then. Finally, one last burst of the angry sea thrust me onto the sand among a crowd of entertained onlookers who were trying to shield their children's eyes. <laughs> a disgusting story, I know, that may have painted some horrible images in your heads, but it begs the question this morning, any of you ever feel like you're just surviving? 
always just trying to get by, always struggling to just make it through one thing so you can just get to the next. Maybe feeling like you're treading water or just trying to keep your head afloat. You're just surviving. And I bet if we are completely honest, some of us can look back on this last year and say we just survived it. We just survived work. We survived school. We survived a storm in our life. And in fact, a lot of us are probably living in survival mode. You're always thinking, if, you know, if I could just make it to the weekend. If I can just make it to the first of the month. If I can just make this payment. If I can just get to summer vacation, if I can just beat this sickness, if I can just get the kids through college, then I'll be fine. Then I'll be okay. Then I can be happy. I just got to survive until this. You know, we weren't meant to struggle to make it through the week or the day or the next hour, or the next obstacle. We weren't meant for the world to feel like a weight. And I know that it feels that way to some of you. We weren't meant to be shackled by anxiety and worry and fear. You were not made to just survive life. You were not made to just exist until you could get over whatever the next hump is whatever the next obstacle is. And if we're not careful, we can live our whole lives just surviving. And man, that's no way to live. You see, you are not living the life you were created to live if survive is your word. Surviving's for those who have no hope. It's not me. That's not you. Not if you're a child of God. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, I came that they may have life and to have it abundantly. You see, we are the they. We were meant to have life and to have it abundantly. We were made to flourish. We were made to thrive. We weren't made by God to just survive. That's not abundant life. We were made to prosper. This doesn't mean this doesn't mean that we won't have trouble in life. A lot of scripture was written by people in prison or during some of their the lowest moments of godly men. Life is going to be tough sometimes. The world is going to give us struggles. But Jesus tells us He has overcome the world. And in John 16, verse 33, He says, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And because of this, we can prosper through it. 
So what exactly does it mean to prosper? You see, according to the world, prospering would be defined as success, money, possessions, prestige, power. So the world tends to look at prospering as what we have or maybe what we are capable of getting. But if Jesus overcame the world and we're followers of Jesus, then we can't go by what the world says. We have to go by what the Bible says. We go by what God says. And in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, this is what it said. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So this psalm is an instruction on how to be blessed. And blessed is from the Greek word makarios, and it means to be happy, to be blissful. So blessed also means happy. And these three verses here, they're like a manual on how to be happy. Not what the world tells us we have to do or what we need to have. But what God is saying is the key to happiness. And God's saying, you know, if you refrain from these things here, and you act upon these things, not only are you going to be happy, not only are you going to be blessed, but you are going to prosper. No longer will you just get by. No longer will you just survive, but you will be doing what you were created to do. And you were created to thrive. So today we're going to be taking a deeper look at these verses, and I'm going to be pulling out things. I'm going to pull three things out, one out of each verse that God is saying we are to be doing if we wish to thrive. So the first way we are told to thrive is to carefully choose whom you share your path with. Carefully choose whom you share your path with. Again, in verse 1, It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. You know, your character is shown by the path you walk and with whom you share that path. You know, I remember as a child, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this, 
But I remember as a child my mom saying, I don't want you hanging around with so-and-so. They're a bad influence. And the reality of that is, when you're around a lot of people that are doing certain things, or saying certain things, there's a tendency for you to start doing those things and saying those things. There's a way that we kind of get drawn into stuff. You ever went out with a group of people and stories and jokes are being told and everyone's laughing, man, everybody's cutting up. And eventually you kind of get drawn into that. And then pretty soon you're telling stories that you shouldn't be telling. These stories aren't glorifying the kingdom of God. They're not showing character from a person of Christ. These tales and these jokes aren't showing fruit in your life. And how are you going to show someone what God can do in their life if you aren't displaying what God has done in your life? So are they influencing you or are you influencing them? You see, that becomes the big question here. If certain people are influencing you in negative ways, then you need to stay away from them. The Bible says, do not walk in step with them, because they will drag you down. They will hold you back. They will keep you from being all that God created you to be. They will keep you from growing. They're going to draw you in. And you're never going to thrive the way that God intends for you to thrive if you stand as they do. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, if you want to prosper, you need to carefully choose whom you share your path with. The scripture talks about mockers. Mockers are those who they ridicule God. They make fun of Him. They make a joke of sin. They scoff at religion. If you want to avoid thinking like them, if you want to avoid behaving like them, you need to avoid associating with them. I mean, it's pretty clear. Now, this doesn't mean that you just turn your back on old friends. It doesn't mean that you have to steer clear of non-believers because we're called to go out and make disciples. But our light needs to shine for Christ. You see, we need to conduct ourselves in a way that points people to Jesus. They need to be able to see it in our character. They need to be able to see it in our integrity. And if you're having a hard time maintaining your spiritual walk around certain people... Maybe you shouldn't be around them. Proverbs 4, verse 14 issues this exact same warning. It says, Do not set foot 
on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your own way. Now here's my motto. Take it, leave it, like it, don't like it. If you aren't who you once was, then maybe you shouldn't hang around the same people you once did. You see, to fulfill what God has planned for your life, you need people around you that understand that plan. And you need people around you that will help you implement that plan. Man, you need your closest circle of friends to be people that share your desire to honor God. The people I share my life with, my closest circle of friends, are those who have a positive influence on me. Man, they have substance. Christ is reflected in the way that they act and in their character. They, we encourage each other. They make me want to be a better husband. They make me want to be a better father. They make me want to dig deeper into my relationship with God. Because that's how you grow. That's how you prosper. See, these are the friends that we need to walk in step with. So if you want to thrive... You need to carefully choose whom you share your path. Second way we're told to thrive, dig deep in Scripture. Dig deep in Scripture. Verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. To truly prosper, to truly prosper in life, you have to spend time in the Bible. You have to. You can't just come to church on Sunday and hear something about the Bible. You have to be spending each day with the Word of God. We must delight in it, the scriptures say. It needs to bring us great pleasure. We must meditate on it. Meaning we got to be able to ponder over these words. We need to seek guidance. We need to be absorbing this information. And it only comes by spending time reading and learning. You see, what goes into our minds matter. Matter a lot. You see, we're shaped by we by what we take in. I mean, think for your bodies to be healthy, you must eat healthy food. And our minds work the exact same way. The exact same way. Whatever goes in comes out. What we put into our minds or what's going to come out in our actions in our behavior, and in our thinking. This includes what we read. It includes what we look at on the computer. 
the music that we listen to and the movies that we watch. What goes in comes out. You know, some years back, my daughter talked me into going to the movies with her to watch paranormal activities. I didn't want to go. I don't like horror movies, but she kept pastoring me and pastoring me. So I went. And it was like, what's the word I'm searching for? Life scarring. I'm telling you, the opening credits had barely rolled when I kind of felt that creepy feeling from childhood that kind of reaches down and just kind of grabs you in the gut, rattles you to the core. Scene after scene, I was thinking, that's going to stay with me for a while. That'll come back to haunt me later. And it grew worse. Because horror movies and salty popcorn don't mix. You see, horror movies produce adrenaline. Adrenaline makes your heart pound. So does sodium. A pounding heart races blood through your kidneys and your kidneys fill your bladder. And that $40 guzzler drink probably doesn't help either. So I make it halfway through the movie. I can't wait anymore. I gotta go to the bathroom. So I exit the theater and I enter the hallway. And the bathroom seemed like a hundred yards away. Down this hallway that now reminds me of the hotel hallways in The Shining. (laughs) See another horror movie from my childhood. I tell you, that stuff stays with us. It's late at night. Not another soul graced the room but me. And listen, bathrooms aren't scary. They were on that night. So I use the restroom. I go to the sink to wash my hands. It's the automated sink where you wave your hands and you never can really seem to find that eye that makes the water come on. And as I stood at the sink, suddenly the flush of an automated toilet roared behind me about three stalls down. Whoosh! And I realized that I hadn't actually finished going to the bathroom after all. (laughs) So I did what everybody does. You kind of bend over and you kind of look in there to see if anybody's there. The place was empty. Toilets aren't scary. But they were that night. So I get out of there before that kid from The Shining on his big wheel can chase me down screaming, Red room, red room. And I remember going home that night, and I was, like, terrified to go to sleep. I mean, I was, like, literally too scared to close my eyes. You see, what went into my mind was coming out in my actions. I mean, it stays with you. It gets seared into our brains. There's people that won't swim in the ocean because of this movie. Or that's scared of clowns because of Stephen King's It. You see, if you want to change what you're doing, if you want to change how you're thinking, if you want to change how you view things, you need to change what you're taking in. I mean, it matters what movies we watch. 
It matters what we surf on the computer. It matters what we listen to. And let me tell you, it matters what we read. It matters. What we put into our minds matter. That's why God says, if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, you meditate on my word. The Holy Bible will transform the way you think. And in turn, it'll transform the way you act. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, once you change the way you view things, then you can change the way you do things. Once you begin to dig deep into Scripture, man, this, this becomes like this new foundation for you. The only way to erect a foundation is to dig. You ask any builder, the taller the building, the deeper that you have to dig that foundation. Because that's how it stays strong. That's how something stays sturdy. So you have to carefully choose whom you share your path with, and you need to dig deep into Scripture. The third way we are told to thrive is to reach out and make God known. Reach out and make God known. Now all of this, or this is actually a result of doing the first two things that we just talked about. You see, when someone's surrounded by the right people, people that encourage them, people that inspire them to dig deep in their relationship with God, verse 3 says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. There's a giant oak tree in Geneva, Alabama. This tree's like a local tourist attraction. It's more than 300 years old. It's older than the United States. Its main limbs are bigger than most trees. And it sits on the bank between two rivers. So the rivers have always watered it. And about every 10 years, the rivers flood the area. So there's like mud lines on the tree. There's even a bike in the tree. You see, the water has risen many times and taken just about everything away except that tree. And the reason that this tree is so strong, the reason that this tree can withstand whatever life throws at it is because it has as much going on under the ground as it does above the ground. So like this is the tree and all its branches. And this is its root system. It's the foundation that we just talked about. Digging deep. Nourishing. 
supporting that tree. And you see, when we've dug deep, this becomes our root system. The Bible. And we can withstand whatever life throws at us. Because we're sturdy. And we're secure. We will understand who God is, which will allow us to understand who we are in God. And it'll show. It will show. You will be able to tell by watching that person. Next two lines, it says, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. You can tell a good tree by the fruit that it produces. A good tree produces good fruit. Man, you can look at it. You can look at it and you can see that it's good. Its leaves aren't withering. The streams of water are nourishing this tree and it's allowing its branches to reach out. We're the exact same way. If someone's looking at you and they're listening to how you speak and they're watching what you do, what are your actions going to show them? A good tree or a bad tree? Jesus said in John 15 verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. So leave that scripture up and add Galatians 5 verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So not only... Do these actions glorify God? But they identify us as Christ followers. The fruit that we produce should display us as Christians. And the way that we reach out should point people to God. We minister by our actions. We reach out to make God known. A mission team went to Jamaica last week and they built this house for this man who suffers with polio. They were reaching out and making God known. Chris talked about cookouts for Jesus last week. We're, we're being challenged to invite an unchurched neighbor over for a barbecue. Now he's not asking you to preach to him. He's asking you to reach out to him. No preaching, just reaching. We're just reaching out and making God known. Soda Pop Sunday, 
Derek mentioned is today, where we get to give a dollar for each family member and do our part in saving the life of a child in Kenya. Saving the life of a child. You just drop it in the container as you walk out and know that you're glorifying God as you point towards Jesus. You see, God has never called someone to sit on the sidelines. And don't let your circumstances or your fear or your doubt from doing something that will glorify God. You were created for a purpose. And that purpose has nothing, zero, to do with finances. It has nothing to do with being popular. It has nothing to do with having the biggest house. It has nothing to do with driving the nicest car. You see, what matters is how our lives and our tongues confess Jesus to the people in the places that He has planted us. Jesus says, know me and make me known. It says, take the moments that I give you. Make the most of every conversation. Man, look for me and chase after me. And in whatever opportunities that I send your way, whatever is that very next thing that I ask you to do, do it with all your heart. Man, you were created to know God and to make God known. And your reach will only go as far as your roots will allow. And when a person surrounds themselves with strong individuals, and when a person spends time reading their Bible, and they reach out to make God known, it ends with whatever they do prospers. Friends, that's how you thrive. I'm going to close today with a song that kind of uh, just ties all of this together. And I invite you now to stand. And I ask that whatever, maybe whatever you're going through right now, Maybe whatever that obstacle may be. Maybe whatever that thing is that you're just surviving. That's maybe keeping you from being who God created you to be. And doing what God created you to do. You just got to know that you were meant to be happy. You were meant 
to prosper. You were called to have abundant life. You were made to thrive. Bob, Chung, Cindy, Bert. Like a tree planted by the water that never will run dry. So living water flowing through, God, we thirst for more of you. And fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to more than 
pray together. Dear powerful God, God, we just thank you for creating us to live life abundantly. God, we just pray that we erase the worldview of what it means to prosper and replace it with the view of what the Bible says. What you say is our key to happiness, our key to prospering. God, allow the fruits that we display to honor you to glorify you, and to point people to you. God, we want to reach out and make you known. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.